0: Our series continues into the unknown uh, as we journey with this story of Abraham and Sarah this week called Surprise. Our text is taken from Genesis 18, verses 1 through 15. The Lord appeared to Abraham at the oaks of Mamre while he sat at the entrance of his tent in the day's heat. He looked up and suddenly saw three men standing near him. As soon as he saw them, he ran from his tent entrance to greet them and bowed deeply. He said, Sirs, if you would be so kind, don't just pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought so you may wash your feet and re- refresh yourselves under the tree. Let me offer you a little bread so you will feel stronger, and after that you may leave your servant and go on your way, since you have visited your servant. They responded, Fine, do just as you have said. So Abraham hurried to Sarah at his tent and said, hurry, need three seahs of the finest flour and make some baked goods. Abraham ran to the cattle, took a healthy young calf and quick gave it to his young servant who prepared it quickly. Then Abraham took butter, milk and the calf that had been prepared, put the food in front of them and stood under the tree near them as they ate. They said to him, where's your wife, Sarah? And he said, right here in the tent. Then one of the men said, I will definitely return to you about this time next year. Then your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were both very old. Sarah was no longer menstruating. So Sarah laughed to herself, thinking, I'm no longer able to have children and my husband's old. The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, me give birth? At my age, is anything too difficult for the Lord? When I return to you about this time next year, Sarah will have a son. Sarah lied and said, I didn't laugh because she was frightened. But he said, no, you laughed. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, let the words of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, for you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our story begins by the narrator telling us that the Lord appeared to Abraham while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Naturally, we are expecting a conversation between Abraham and God here. But instead three mysterious, unnamed men show up at Abraham's tent. Abraham bows deeply to them and begins to put on the ancient Near Eastern version of southern hospitality. He calls them, his. he says to them he's his servant, he's their servant, he makes sure that they will stay, that they will wash their feet, have a bite to eat and sit a spell. Pull up a chair or an oak tree. Abraham says, and then he rushes inside and tells Sarah, get it ready, we've got important guests, get the finest flour and let's make them some bread. And he goes out to the cattle, looks for the finest calf, and tells the youngest servant to get it ready. And after these quick preparations, Abraham goes out to the the three visitors with a feast. All the while, Abraham stands under the tree like a servant, ready to get the three visitors whatever they need. And these surprised visitors ask Abraham, now where's your wife, Sarah? And we are taken aback a little bit. These visitors have never met Abraham before. How do they know his wife's name? There was no internet search or yellow pages in those days. And why has Abraham treated these guests with such extravagant welcome. We could understand getting them a drink and grabbing a snack inside, but fresh-baked bread and a slaughtered calf seems to be a little overkill. Abraham knew something was happening when these three visitors arrived. Something jumped in his spirit and sprung him into action. These surprising visitors were not just any three random men. For Abraham, these visitors somehow mediated the presence of God. Abraham was open to surprise. One of the challenges of growing older is that we can become less and less open for surprise. When I play with my four-year-old, if I allow myself, we go to a lot of different places and become a lot of different things in the confines of a small room. Her imagination soars and is nimble and is unchecked and is beautiful. And usually at some point, I have to check in with reality. I look at my phone or I check the time or begin remembering the things that I have to do And I kill it. She calls me back into her world. Daddy, look at this. Or Daddy, I'm the doctor this time. On our practical adult level, we want to say that part of growing up is learning to be practical. Sit in one spot for eight hours looking at a screen. That's what we have to do to make it in this world. Don't dream about being whatever you want at some point along the way. Make sure that you have a backup plan. Coordinate, plan, take control. These are all qualities of a good grown-up, right? But right now, none of us has much control or coordination or planning available to us. We are into the unknown, and many of us feel adrift I think we are feeling adrift because our checklists define so much of our days that when we don't have them, we cannot imagine another way to live. Our pre-corona days had little room for surprise. Marcel Proust, the early 20th century French novelist, wrote this. Instead of what our imagination makes us suppose, and which we worthlessly try to discover, Life gives us something that we can hardly imagine. Life gives us something that we could hardly imagine. That'll preach. Three months ago, none of us could imagine the reality of the life we are living today. It is beyond what anyone could have planned for or considered a reality Life gives us something that we could hardly imagine. So these strangers who know Abraham's wife's name return the hospitality, return the favor, by telling Abraham that she will have a son this time next year. And we learn what is going on in Sarah's internal dialogue. She laughs to herself because she was postmenopausal. It was physically impossible for her to have a child, and her husband was exceptionally old. And then all of a sudden, a new character appears on the scene and talks to Abraham. We lose track of where the three visitors are, and the Lord speaks directly to Abraham. Why did Sarah laugh and say, "'Me give birth at my age?' Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? That's the question. Some preachers would challenge you that no, nothing is too hard for the Lord. The problem is that you don't have enough Faith, as if faith is something you just conjure up and dig into and work harder to have more of. And if you just believed more in the miracles of God, then you would see them more. And those same preachers might tell you that if our country just believed more, then we would see more miracles right now. That's not what faith is, that's not what hope is about. Scholar Kathleen O'Connor writes it this way, The emergence of hope does not mean the fulfillment of our dreams, expectations, or even human needs. It does not enable us to avoid suffering. Consistently, hope arises after the fact, in the discovery of the goodness and love of the Creator to bring all things to life. Hope is less a decision than it is a grace in the midst of suffering. Hear that. Hope is less a decision than it is a grace in the midst of suffering. I've watched a couple of episodes of a show that has popped up on my YouTube feed whenever I switch it on. Next to the videos about churches, cute girls' hairstyles, and random seven-year-old YouTube stars, this show has popped up called Some Good News hosted by John Krasinski, who famously played Jim on The Office. It is really a nice 20-minute diversion to remember that in the midst of all the bad news, that there is some good news in the world. There are stories about healthcare workers and people caring for their neighbors and kids doing hilarious things during quarantine and substitute graduations and proms with lots of famous cameos. To say that there is some good news is not to ignore all of the bad news. It is not just a way to keep optimism alive. It is a way to see the gift of hope in the midst of suffering. Some good news is what Jesus offers to us at all times. Some good news that death is not the end for us. Some good news that life is not hopeless and devoid of meaning. I've been challenged each day by this discipline of finding three signs of hope each day along with Kate Bowler's study that we are doing, Life Together Apart. And I'll be honest, some days when I get to the end of my day, I don't do this part of the study because I don't want to. I don't want to exercise my hope muscle at the end of the day sometimes. I want to settle in to being a little lethargic and down. And you know what? That's okay. You cannot be filled with all of the good news and all of the hope all of the time. The Psalms are filled with laments asking God why. You don't have to be the most upbeat person in order to be a follower of Jesus. But there are three signs of hope every day, and I find them when I look. They are not always very big. They are sometimes incredibly very small. They are as simple as the cardinal who is so red that flies up to my bird feeder. They are as small as a six-year-old's first words of that day being, I love you. They are as banal and essential as an early afternoon cup of coffee. They are, however, woven into a tapestry of little things that becomes a big old sign of hope. So we have many participating in small ways to bring food to families in need. And we share in this partnership and make new friends with folks in the local school because God calls us to be people of hope, to be people who help where we can. I think we need to cultivate our imagination muscle. The godly play program that our kids do here does that. When Miss Michelle has been asking the I wonder questions at the end of each week, kids are sitting there and answering them. Last week when she asked that the sheep had names, the practical adults in us said, who cares, get on with the service. But the kids thought about names that the sheep have. When my four-year-old sees a doctor's office or a cafe or a zoo or a swimming pool in the very room where she is, she is able to retain a sense of hope and normalcy in the midst of this crazy time. We all need to stretch our imagination muscles. Because imagination muscles are what provide the possibility of hope. The Velveteen Rabbit said, everything that is real was imagined first. Abraham, you see, was open to being surprised as he sat under the tree that day. Rather than just providing the bare minimum of hospitality, he was open to the idea that God might be present somehow in these visitors. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Abraham's practicality probably said, Yeah. But his imagination responded, No, no, it's not. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Are you open to being surprised by God? Are you so doggone realistic? That faith is almost impossible for you. Be open to being surprised. This is hope. Our God is always doing a new thing. Amen.